On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. Welcome back, Gavin Riley, with you with this special New Year's Day edition of On the Record. On the Record NT, our hashtag on Twitter, 53106, the number for your text. Now, as we move towards a new year, 2023 will bring with it plenty of interesting milestone anniversaries, uh, including the centenary of an Irish Nobel Prize. Um, of course, 1923 was a time when the newly established state, only really in situ for, for a couple of weeks, really, uh, really began to uh, solidify itself, to emerge from the Civil War. So 1923 was a year that very much politically, socially and culturally Uh, shaped an awful lot about the new state and Donald Fallon is here to tell us all about it Donald hello happy new year Uh, hopefully another another year of gems uh, coming from you no pressure my 10th year on uh, News Talk it it began in 2013 talking about Jim Larkin with (laughs) oh Jesus because the centenary of the lockout yeah (laughs) Go on, well, no, go on, tell us yeah, about that. Was long, that long, you were with Ivan Yates. And with you, Ivan Yates yeah. talking about Jim Larkin, an extraordinary baptism of fire. <laughs> <laughs> we'll ask you more about that in a minute. Let, yeah. let, let's, let's stick to the brief first. Um, by 1923, uh, and like we just mentioned that it was a time of, of a lot of tra- change and transformation, but 1923 really was at the tail end of a lot of transformation. So life was becoming maybe a little less exciting than it had been for the 10 yeah. years up to it. And, you know, when the, when the, the, the free state was born, you know, it, it represented the the hopes and aspirations of some. You know, they felt that they'd achieved statehood of a kind. And, you know, Kevin O'Higgins had that lovely line. He said, we're the most conservative people who ever had a successful revolution. But to other people, I suppose, it represented a kind of defeat and something that fell short of the revolutionary promise of, mm. you know, everything that had been up in the air in the previous uh, seven years. So, look, no one fights a revolution on a slogan up the Irish free state of 26 counties with dominion status within the framework of empire. You know, it wasn't <laughs> sure? what people set out I to thought, achieve. I saw that on a banner somewhere. That's what they got. That's what yeah. they got. And regardless, by 1923, they were kind of settling into a new kind of normality. The yeah. civil war was moving towards conclusion. And there was kind of some idea what this new state might look like, what its currency might look like. All of this was mm. taking form. So, God, I hadn't even thought of that. That they'd have to like debate what they put in the bank. Notes. Oh, all of that, yeah. yeah, and all of that, and and you know the civil service, the need to to, to study Irish, to enter all these things. Mm. You know, this just day to day running of the state. So over the course of twenty twenty three. You know, there will be some significant milestones and let's have a look at some of them today, I suppose, because it's interesting to ponder, you know, the decade of centenary, so-called, is there an obvious conclusion date to it, you know, when it comes to the Civil War? Is there a day on which we can say, 100 years yeah. ago today, the Civil War stopped? But as we'll hear, you know, that event it kind of came to a strange kind of semi-conclusion. Yeah, it's kind of weird, uh, like Korean War style, sort of <laughs> not, not quite armistice, let everyone just kind of stopped and it petered out. Um, most significantly, we mentioned this in the introduction, uh, it was the year when Senator William Butler Yeats brings home a Nobel Prize, oh, uh, m- something which was kind of considered as a shared win. Massive, massive. You know, a year which produced defining Irish literature in R23, but yeah, the most significant centenary in terms of the arts will fall in November, the 100th anniversary of, of WB Yeats bringing home the Nobel Prize for Literature. Uh, and yeah, as you mentioned, a senator in the, in the Free State Parliament, founder of the Abbey Theatre. Uh, I think when they gave that award to, to Yeats, it was kind of, it was deeply symbolic of something broader. You know, yeah. rather than just saying Yeats, the great writer, the great playwright, the great poet, I think it was like the arrival of an Irish nation yeah. on the world stage, uh, a national literature, a new culture yeah. on the world stage. And, you know, Yeats uncharacteristically modest actually uh, in the speech <laughs> that he gave when he won yeah. the Nobel Prize he kind of tipped his hat uh, at everyone else you know he said 30 years ago a number of Irish writers met together in societies and we began a remorseless criticism of the literature of the country it was their dream that by freeing it from provincialism they might win for it European recognition I owe much to those men 
there are women too mm-hmm. he, he forgot to mention no. still more to those who joined their movement a few years later and when I returned to Ireland these men and women now growing old like okay. myself mm-hmm. will see in this great honour a fulfilment of that dream I in my heart know how little I might have deserved it if they had never existed in other words Lady Gregory Willie Rooney and so many others yeah. Yates tipped his hat uh, in those directions. So it was an extraordinary victory. Uh, an extraordinary victory, not just for Yeats, but for yeah. Irish literature in the whole. It's very modest, actually. And, and I'd never considered the aspect that it, it nearly might have been, not, not as if the Nobel Committee was just waiting for, like, independence, for, like, to sort of grant this thing that they're holding it in reserve. But that, that idea that it might have been this artistic recognition for the officialdom of a new state Absolutely. and that it was that it was now uncontrovertible that there was this separate Irish state is a very significant and thing. And this is Yeats, you know, who pondered after the rising that certain poems of mine send out men the English shot. You know, yeah. it's the beauty of my poetry that caused the revolution. Yeah. So, you know, not renowned for, yeah. for modesty. But that speech was fantastic. Uh, he was a great orator too, actually, that line that the the, the, the 30 years ago, the number of writers and uh, Chris, that famous divorce speech that he made in, in the early days of that Senate. Uh, let's not bore people again with that Oroctus TV documentary I mentioned two weeks ago. <laughs> um, his theatre at home, though, you mentioned the Abbey Theatre that he was a co-founder of. That was having a pretty good year in 1923. Big year for the Abbey. You know, uh, the, the Abbey was producing amazing content uh, in 1923. You know, we can only hope for a, a centenary rerun, Shadow of a Gunman by, by Sean O'Casey. Uh, O'Casey, you know, was writing about the revolution in its immediate aftermath. I mean, it's a play set during uh, the War of Independence, marked the arrival of a great talent. But the Abbey was broke, you know, financially, mm. but it was on the cusp of becoming the first state-subsidised theatre in the English-speaking world. So, you know, the Abbey wow. would be yeah. saved, if you will, by, by the new state. It could be a big year for the Abbey. I mean, you know, as well as WB Yeats' victory at the Nobel Prize, or Casey's arrival. Uh, February brings the, the 100th anniversary of the, the, the birth of Brendan Behan. Yeah. Uh, a writer so good that the Abbey initially re- rejected his play. Queer <laughs> fellow. <laughs> They turned it down, which is amazing to me. But the Museum of Literature Ireland, Molly, they're they're going to host an exhibition on on Behan for his for his hundredth anniversary. Unfortunately, uh, he's good. not here to to enjoy the party. Yeah. Uh, we've mentioned before actually that that Molly's well worth a visit actually in the cafe, and there's very nice and uh, the, the other side of Stephen's Green uh, beyond where people usually go beside the University Chapel. There, um, nineteen twenty three was also a big year in the visual arts, but no, at the time, no one kind of copped. Yeah, if you walk through the National Gallery of Ireland, you know, exit through the gift shop. They've got an, uh, an incredible gift shop in the National Gallery. They do, they do to be and fair. Yeah. yeah, I mean, one of the one of the pieces that they love is by an artist called Mamie Jellett, and you can buy her work on whatever you want to bring it home on. You know, a tote bag, a magnet, a notebook, mm. whatever it may be. Yeah. But this year brings the centenary of this this great artist, Mamie Jellett's painting, Decoration, which was really one of the first great kind of modern uh, pieces of art from this country. She studied in Paris. Uh, and yeah, by you know 1923, when she arrives on the scene, her work was very misunderstood, even ridiculed. Uh, the Irish Times ran pictures of her work under the headline, Two Freak Pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Another journalist... Mom, look, I made the paper. Look, I made <laughs> yeah. the paper with my painting. Oh, that's great, love. What have they described that as? It's a freak picture. She studied wow. in Paris under a, a modern artist called Glazes. And the, the joke in Dublin, Jack B. Yates said, who in the blazes is Glazes? <laughs> No one had seen art like this before. But uh, yeah, her work was described as an insoluble puzzle, freak pictures, all of that. But, you know, one of the great modern artists yeah. of Ireland and, and the centenary of a, a beautiful piece of work, decoration. Uh, I like that uh, William Butler Yeats was winning a Nobel Prize in 1923 and sort of, you know, slightly scolded by that, that Jack had to go and win the Free State's first yeah. Olympic medal the following year. It was like, listen, I, I can also win stuff. <laughs> uh, the Irish Times calling it as freak pictures. Someone was telling me the other day, this is a classic tangent actually, but someone was telling me, um, it, it came up a couple of weeks ago around the rotation of Taoiseach and the appointment of the new government. Government, um, that it was the, that weekend was also the centenary of when uh, the Brits had handed over the Viceregal Lodge wow. to the new Irish state, and the, and some of the staff in the Oris had gone looking up the centenary coverage to see what the Irish Times had said about the handover of the Oris hundred years ago, and the Irish Times seems to express some regret that it was the end of a magnificent epoch <laughs> that the Viceregal Lodge was now been handed over to these paddies. Um, 
In sporting history, um, 1923 is a year which uh, brings up this massive story in the FAI Cup. Now, of course, the, the FAI only existed like 12 or 24 months before that. Um, but it brings up this massive story and one of the great upsets still yeah. to this day in the history of the island. I wanted to see what was happening in, in, in 1923 in sport and I found this great story. Uh, very interesting centenary. Maybe we could organise a kickabout on the Falls Road uh, to honour it. The victory in the FAI Cup of Alton United FC. A now forgotten team from West Belfast went into the cup final that year, total underdogs uh, against Shelburne from Dublin. And actually the newspapers of the time reported the bookies had stopped taking bets on the game. I mean, everyone expected Alton United to be just wiped out. And, you know, Irish football had split the IFA in Belfast, the FAI Mm -hmm. in Dublin. But Alton United and and some nationalist sides had actually declared their allegiance to the Dublin administration. And they were no hopers. You know, they all travelled down by train from Belfast and and, and they bring it back home. Bonfires on the Falls Road. But uh, yeah, FIFA later only admitted the FAI on the basis that they confined their activities mm. in the 26 counties of the Free State and poor Alton United and clubs like them were basically were basically shafted. Yeah. But yet nobody expected this little club from the, the Falls Road to win the FAI Cup and they did it, the euphoric scenes in, in, in West Belfast. So yeah, the, the 100th anniversary of one of the great FAI Cup yeah. upsets. Which means they probably would have been, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here now, but they, they must have been possibly the first ever winners of the Cup because if the FAI was, itself was only founded in 22, then this was at, at, at latest the second holding of the Cup Which and the idea that a, that a team from West Belfast fast from territory that the FAI was soon told that it could not uh, reap from any longer the idea that they were among the first teams to win it is really striking um, we, we, we mentioned this a couple of minutes ago it's a little less clear cut when you talk about political anniversaries you know uh, like when did the civil war end for example like there is no date that you could hold a state commemoration because there is no sort yeah. of agreed time at which this all petered out yeah and on the last slot we did we, we mentioned Sean Russell in passing you know the, the IRA chief of staff who died on a, on a, on a Nazi U-boat mm. you know for some people the civil war never ended and <laughs> The, one of the problems. So for some people, it only ended a couple of weeks ago yeah, when yeah, yeah. handed over. Yeah. Politically, 2023 it brings some unusual anniversaries, but yeah, one we can't really say for definite what day did the Irish Civil War end on because mm. the order that came from from De Valera, nonetheless, was deeply ambiguous, deliberately so. Yeah, uh, the Republic can no longer be defended successfully by our arms. Further sacrifice of life would now be in vain. Continuance of the struggle in arms on wise and national interest, prejudicial to the future of our cause. Military victory must be allowed to rest. For the moment, with those who have destroyed the Republic, other means must be sought to safeguard the nation's right. In other words, you know, soldiers at the rear guard, Mm. put the guns down, but it's not an order of surrender. But get ready to win an election in nine years. That's fine, yeah. It's a temporary pause, you know. So the Civil War, you know, arguably never ends. And 2023 brings... Uh, the centenary of the death of Liam Lynch, who had been the, the chief of staff of the anti-treaty Republicans. Mm. Uh, the, the biography of him coming from historian uh, Jared Shannon that's very eagerly uh, awaited. But yeah, the Civil War is a very tricky thing in that sense. There's no day in which we can say the Civil War ended 100 years ago today. But look, it was an exciting year and it was one which will lead to a lot of reflection in our contemporary society. Was it a post-Civil War society? Just because the fighting stopped, you know, just around the corner, there were other significant things coming too. And we're yeah, not yeah. too far away now mm. from the centenary of you know new political parties born out of the old. Uh, in 1923, did they know it or not? But you know, yeah. the age of dev was only just beginning. And uh, no doubt. <laughs> wow. If, if, if that isn't like, you know, the, the final... You know the way like in, in the, the James Bond films where they do the, like, the James Bond will return in? Yeah. Like, I sort of feel like that last the line there is basically just like, Eamon de Valera will return. 
return in future <laughs> slots on Hidden Histories. Um, all of which, no doubt, will be brought to you in his 10th News Talk year uh, by Donald Fanning. You might as well tell us the story now of, uh, of your first encounter with Ivan Yates because I, I can't imagine that it went too routinely. Because Ivan wasn't a guy to basically sort of stick to the brief and just ask you the question. No, I'm sure Ivan no, sort of dropped you in the studio. Water. I think it was the only man in the country who was willing to defend William Martin Murphy on the radio that weekend. <laughs> It was mad, yeah. It was, it was a baptism of fire. Yeah. Well, a, 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 after that, it was all a cakewalk for you, uh, Donald Fallon. Thank you, thank you for this and for, for your ten years of contributions to News Talk. Uh, we hope you'll have you back for for many Sunday lunchtimes to come. Donald Fallon is the author of the Come Here to Me books of Henrietta Street from Tenement to Suburbia and of that book you probably got at Christmas: Three Castles Burning, the history of, of Dublin in Twelve uh, Streets. He's also the presenter of the podcast on the same topic of the same name, which you'll get anywhere you get your audio online. On the record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PWC. Sunday morning at 11. On News Talk.